Hello and welcome back to Meet the Chefs. And this episode is coming to you from New York City, as will the next couple as well. Today I'm at a really special place and sitting down with Jason from Veselka. There is so much that is so fascinating about this diner, but what you probably need to know most is that it's a Ukrainian diner established way back in 1954. Jason is the third generation of the family ownership and we get into so many interesting things in this chat. We give you a real background of Ukrainian food, some of which I tried and was absolutely sensational, I can tell you. But we also find out about the culture of where Veselka is created, and still is today, New York City, and how the war in Ukraine, of course, has affected the place. This is an amazing chat with one of the most famous restaurants in New York City. Thanks so much to Jason for giving me the time, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to the podcast. It's our first episode here in, in New York City, and I'm, I'm joined by Jason. Um, I was wondering, Jason, can we just start with you introducing yourself and where we are? Sure. My name is Jason Burchard. I'm the third generation proprietor of the Selka Restaurant or the Selka Enterprises here in uh, what we call Little Ukraine of the East Village of Manhattan. Uh, we're celebrating our We'll be celebrating our 70th year in business as one of the oldest, if not the oldest, Ukrainian-American restaurants here in New York City. We proudly make majority of our stuff, except for a few artisanal breads, everything is here done by hand. We make several thousand pierogies, have a team of eight women that do that by hand, latkes, stuffed cabbage, to name a few. That's it in a nutshell. I mean, I can... Amazing. Yeah, so I'd love to ask firstly a little bit about your background and how you came to where you are, and then we'll move on to Veselka afterwards. Because that's the idea of the show, to get to know gotcha. the people we're chatting to. Uh, yeah, I've been in the family business here for as long as I can remember, 40 plus years, working here as a teenager at first in the family business as a busboy, washing dishes, making coffee to go. Um, had no real, it was a great experience working as a teenager and until my college or university days, I went to university to study economics. Uh-huh. Thought I was going to get into finance. Uh, had a wonderful experience, the eye-opening experience working at a university as an internship, something like yourself, mm-hmm. uh, working with a big firm that was um, dealing with the, the stock market and finances. And it was a, a very cold experience, meaning that you uh, you stared at a, a computer all day long uh-huh. tried to call people on, uh, on the phone to buy try to cert- fail <laughs> um, and I realized very quickly after that year of internship that, that maybe this wasn't for me I had the great experience to uh, nest egg some money when I finished university I traveled through Europe for uh-huh. six months with my dear friend uh, from those times I came back not knowing what I was going to do, and my father, who was second generation, said, what, what do you plan to do with your life? I said, I'm not sure. He said, well, why don't you come work with me uh-huh. until you do? That was 1989. And you're uh, still there. <laughs> I, uh, I've had some exoduses, uh-huh. but in 1989, I came, and at that time, we were not open 24 hours in one of my first projects. We noticed that this area of, the, of Manhattan being what I mentioned, Little Ukraine or the East Village, there are a lot of bars and clubs and dance halls. 
that we would that we should open up longer hours. Mm -hmm. So my father said, "The great idea, you take a, you do it." Fantastic. So you get to work all night. Yeah. So my, one of my first projects out of school was you want to you want to figure out your life, work at night in this neighborhood, and, and working and living in New York, whether it's 2023 or 1990. It's always a bunch of characters. It's a city. It still is the city that never sleeps. Uh -huh. You get to meet a lot of different people, good and bad, but for the most part, good. There are a lot of people who are night owls or industry people. Uh -huh. or, Writers and you know people just coming out of a theater that want a late night bite to the to the drunkards who want to soak up some of the alcohol. Um, I did that uh, until 1996. Mm -hmm. My parents are uh, divorced, and my maternal mother lives in Hawaii. Wow! Um, and I had the uh, opportunity in 1996 to try to open something similar in Hawaii. Didn't pan out. Yeah. Um, I had studied at university, I minored in Japanese wow. language, and while I was in Hawaii, I met a Japanese-American woman that uh, took me to Japan after uh, a year in Hawaii and had the great experience of, believe it or not, teaching English in Japan uh, until right before uh, Y2K, right before 2000. Uh -huh. I was coming back for a family holiday here. And I knew my time had, had come to an end in Japan. So coming back here in 2000, uh, I had uh, inquired about coming back to work uh, in the family business at my father's end. Uh, and that incredibly, I mean, you've worked here from in almost every role then, it sounds like. Does that, you know, from when you were so young, yes. just doing to coffee to go, has that given you a sort of unique perspective on the business to be able to... Yeah, I don't... When people tell me that the job is too hard, new staff members who are joining the team uh -huh. saying that this, these hours are too much or that this... I, 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 I've been there, I've done it. I mean, yeah, maybe sometimes it's busier. And I, and I can tell you stories even you know, as we get into this. You know, post-COVID or during COVID, we were one of the only places you could still remain open for takeout and delivery. Yeah. But I decided... Uh, morally and consciously for my staff that since the majority of my staff were commute on the subway there's no such thing as masks or anything. yeah but we shut down wow, completely. Uh, everything for eight weeks uh, it was the hardest eight weeks of my life because we never shut down for any period of day yeah. not more than a day or two unless we're doing some major construction products uh -huh. um, and actually the day two days after we closed I got so I had COVID thankfully not uh, severely. Mm -hmm. I was able to sleep it off and uh, get back going. But I had a wife and daughter at home, and my wife has some uh, immune deficiencies, and she got really sick after oh, I got sick. But thankfully, she rebounded, and I had a, at the time a ten-year-old at home. We were very nobody really knew what was going on, but um, thankfully we we managed, and um, and then when we reopened, I brought back. I was at the cashier. I was the one filling, the, packing the bags. I only brought back a small team of people, so I know what it means to get my hands dirty. I'm not a, afraid to to do that. Yeah. So you guys have been here. So you're founded in 1954. Is that correct? My grandfather was a Ukrainian immigrant. Uh -huh. uh, he came here in the late 1940s. He first came to Baltimore, uh, and then moved to the uh, Newark area. And then this building is still. 
he was a founding member of an Ukrainian organization called PLOST, okay. which is a Ukrainian scout organization that teaches like not only Ukrainian language, but it's like a Boy Scouts or survival skills. Sure. But not just for boys, but for boys and girls. Um, and that was in this original building here? Still in the, they're still here. Uh, their office, the floors above us are still uh -huh. occupied by PLOST, and they're my landlord. <laughs> and we have a, a very adversarial relationship um, versus other landlords. I've been in the same location here and have done many things for them and vice versa. And, I mean, what is it that makes this sort of neighborhood so unique for you? This, you've built up this sort of Ukrainian village community almost. And were you guys sort of the first ones here in the little I think Ukraine? We, I, there, was a, there was some other more... Uh, there was a butcher across the street called East Village Meat Market. He's been here since the early mid-50s. Uh -huh. Sporadically, others... There are a larger concentration of Ukrainians that lived in this neighborhood. Sure. But because of gentrification over the years in the 80s and 90s, this became a much more uh, a place where people seek to live. Yeah, of course. still cheap rent. But, you know, it's an eclectic neighborhood. Um, How have you seen it grow over the years and change? I mean, good and bad. I mean, we've had, it, we've had our fair share of pitfalls in the 1970s. New York City was trying to create a new subway line here on 2nd Avenue uh, that would go from, I think, City Hall to 125th Street, and it, 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 it ran out of money, and my father said, I, I was a, just a very young boy, I have very little memory of it, that it affected the business quite a bit because of the dirt and the, mm -hmm. the construction and the things that you, what happens when you dig up streets, the roads. Yeah, yeah the whole thing, it's, it's not an attractive a, idea. No. Um, the 80s brought on the, uh, the crack epidemic, the, the drug epidemic here. It really affected this neighborhood. And it wasn't until the late 80s that uh, the infamous mayor, who's now uh, estranged, uh, Giuliani, yeah. uh, was, one of, was a very big proponent of um, cracking down on small crime. So the neighborhood changed in the 90s. And, and I think it's, it's, gone, it's taken a turn for the better. Mm -hmm. uh, that's pretty interesting to hear. And I also want to, I mean, the history is obviously a massive asset for yes. you guys. But is it also a challenge in some ways, sort of trying to know, how do you know when to reinvent yourself and when to make changes, when so, to try and keep funny, it? Funny you know, you said that my father, who was not a Ukrainian by, by, birth. by birth, he married into the family. My grandfather had this very, my Ukrainian grandfather had a very uh, strong insistence on Keeping a very, uh, keeping a very simple menu, and when he passed, unfortunately, he passed on uh, just a few years after my father being here. My father decided to make it his own, meaning that he expanded the menu to offer some more comfort food items, you know, having a good burger and offering different soups besides just borscht. Yeah. Um, and one of his most uh, claims to fame is we had a really positive review in a, a publication called The Village Voice, which would come out weekly and was well read about uh, mushroom barley soup and um, we serve uh, not only your typical uh, buttermilk pancakes, but we serve uh, a buckwheat pancake, uh -huh. a whole wheat, very healthy. Um, and we've, it's only been a, a whirlwind since, I and mean, uh -huh. it's been very, uh, we've been very fortunate. I, I do should add to the adage that in this business, they always do say location, location, location. Mm -hmm. They have a very prime corner on a multi, um, 
downtown thoroughfare on yep. 2nd Avenue. 9th Street is a major thoroughfare for the buses. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just... It does help. It's, it's, it's just been very, we're very, very fortunate to be where we are, but people come from far and wide to yeah. come enjoy the food. Yeah, yeah you've, you've built up this sort of, well, an international reputation. Is that what it is? Well, I, I'd heard of you guys, and so I think it must be. Um, and I think that, so you guys, you have multiple locations as well now. So I've, I've dibbled and dabbled, we've done another, we've done other full service restaurants like yeah. this uh, not too long ago, but we ended up uh, shutting that. Okay. We tried to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. My father wanted to uh, kind of upscale this comfort food and we had a, a full liquor license. Oh, okay. So we did a borscht martini, oh, wow. a, a kielbasa infused Bloody Mary. <laughs> Um, we, up, we upgraded the, the fillings to lobster and lox. Wow. But people who come, and we called it Basilka Bowery, it's not okay. too far from here. People would come there who, are, who remember, know this place. Expecting say, this. Expecting, I want an egg salad sandwich. Well, yeah. we, we didn't have egg salad sandwich. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to come in here. Um, we have been very successful in doing little holiday markets uh -huh. across the city over the years. In 2019, we opened a kiosk in the Essex market, uh, but COVID came about and uh, we're still there, but we are actually now pulling out of that. But we just successfully opened a place in Grand Central Station. Wow. Uh, Talk about location, location, location. Yeah. Okay. Well, Essex market, it's a long story. There was a premise, are you familiar with the High Line yes. in Chelsea? There was something that was going to be called, that was going to be created, was going to be called the Low Line. Wow at the base of the Williamsburg Bridge, which okay. is right near Essex Market. Yeah. There was an old trolley that used to go over the bridge, but it would come underground and turn around and go back over the bridge. So it's a similar so, similar idea to the High Line. Right. But yeah. um, um, and there was some developer that was going to dig that up and bring these big light tubes and create a garden effect and that you could ride the trolley like maybe for a few meters uh -huh. just to get the, the sense of what it was in the 1920s. The money dried up. And that, so it sounds like an amazing yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, amazing idea, exactly. Um, when you move into a premise on that idea, presumably. Yeah. You knew, I, we knew that it would have a, a big, big draw, I mean, a big yeah. tourist attraction. I mean, something similar to I mean, they, uh, they, what you have in London. They wanted to make this grand um, Ferris wheel uh -huh. here in Staten Island that yeah. people would take the ferry and right there. Okay. But again, the money's not bad. Uh, the permitting. Um, but Grand Central, I, I, we have a very captured audience there, and I really, I'm, you know, I'm sure you're going to ask, my view on, on life and business, I see the glass half full, not half empty, I'm always an optimist, even going back to when the, the war uh, broke out, and the, the armies were building on the, on the border for how many months, people would ask, what, do you, what is your feeling about this? I think the threat of the sanctions would deter Putin. Obviously, it, it didn't, and yeah. it was a very eye-opening experience. But then I always, I'm always a believer that there will be um, an end to this. But in terms of business um, in the city, obviously we've seen a, a great lull after you know during COVID, and yeah. so many business like uh, in this in this industry have failed. I'm, I'm very fortunate that I have a very loyal following and a, a customer base. That when it came time to open another location, I, I see that people are coming back to the office. 
I'm, I think we're now we're 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 doomed. Or Zoom Friday will be a thing now. Yeah. Well, in the on. UK, it's more like Zoom Monday, Tuesday, and Friday. <laughs> yeah. There's there's a couple of days if you're lucky. So you're doing better well, here. You're going to the office, but, yeah. I mean, but who's paying for all that office space? I mean, well, so. exactly, and that, I guess that's a big problem. I mean, so and, uh, here in New York, they're they're doing a big push to get people yeah. back into the office. So what better what better way? Done, and Grand yeah. Central is the major, the busiest, if not the busiest hub in the in the U.S. Yeah. In terms of the amount of traffic. Certainly the biggest in New York. I mean, and I noticed on your website you have sort of an at home business as well. So right before COVID, I had uh, partnered with a third-party platform called Goldbelly. Well, that was very sensible. Huh? <laughs> that was very sensible. Yes, that's why I really didn't think much about it. But during COVID, it was a lifesaver because uh -huh. people were stuck at home, but they wanted to get some parochial yeah, abortion. Yeah, wanted and, something to do to or whatever. Help uh, prepare themselves. And we that was a, a lifesaver, to be honest. But do you still sell a lot of so it So I, I do now. So I've, I've now... I've taken it. Unfortunately, Goldbelly took a large share of the split the, because of their marketing costs. It was up to fifty percent wow. of value. So now I've, I've taken on fifty percent. Fifty percent. Jesus yeah. Christ! That's, but they that's have a very targeted organic. They they shoot out these email blasts yeah. and text messages, and, and you can get key lime pie from you know Key West. Yeah. Um, ribs from St. Louis, or you know. Um, in the past year, I've decided that you know, I'm, I'm not going to share anymore. And now they have these different e-commerce sites. I, I built out an e-commerce site with Shopify. Uh -huh. You've heard of Shopify? Yeah. So it's a lot of I, podcast adverts for Shopify. In fact, they sometimes are on our, our podcast advertising. So, <laughs> so I, now I, re, I keep all the profits. And I've been able to expand. Globally had limitations about adding new items and... So now I can do everything on the fly. And that must help. I mean, for a business like yours that's got the following as well anyway, that must be a it was, sort of it big was, help. It was trying. It's been a, a tough first year here. You know, we've invested in some SEO mm -hmm. uh, research and try to get your, your name up. I mean, there's a lot of things it's you can do. It's a tough time for the internet as well in general, yes, yes. I suppose. So. <laughs> um, but again, you know, we do promotions in the restaurant. Uh -huh. You know, $20 off your first order. Send a gift. Sure. I mean, there's a very famous... Uh, Delicatessen on the house in the park, Katz's Deli. Yeah. We're, we're speaking to them on the podcast. <laughs> Are you? In a couple of days, yeah. He's a really nice guy. Jake uh, Dell? Yes. You've got, you got to hold him. Not Jake, someone else, but I've, I've, there's been an email correspondence. Okay. So I need to clear up a few things, but that's okay. a sneak peek for listeners, actually. <laughs> um, you know, he's got a, a slogan, send your boy in the army. Send, send your boy a salami in the army or something. Uh -huh. We're trying to create something here, but people just, and you'd be surprised that there's a a large contingent of New Yorkers that live in that live in Florida, mm -hmm. and Texas, and California that want to, want their New York fix. So we've been able to satisfy that. I am going to move on to the war in sure. Ukraine now, which I mean, I suppose. What was the? I want to hear like what was the instant impact here? Did you guys see like a surge of people coming as a way for them to try and show their support? Was it? So it must have affected a lot of a lot of your was, workers uh, as well. It was uh, February twenty third, twenty fourth. Yeah. So the, the build up that had been coming like, from December and January yeah. was. So there was a lot of different news agencies here because they all want a, a feel good story, a New York, mm. uh, the local news stories, uh, media for sure, um, and I was trying to spin it positively. When it happened, uh, I think I was home that morning. It was, uh, was eye-opening and people lined up immediately. 
just to say, okay, is it true or is your family okay? Because there's, I would say, maybe 50% of my staff is okay. Ukrainian descent. Um, and and there is very familiar relationships with, we have some customers that come here once a day, if not more, yeah. and want to make sure that their families are okay. But and other people are coming to say, well, how can we help? Um, and they when we knew that it wasn't just a one-day uh, one war, that it just continually to, the crowds came to yeah. just do what they can. And people were trying to give me money or checks or send it to do, do I said, well, listen, I'm, a, I'm in a hospitality business. Yeah, I'm not. I don't, I don't, I'm not a non-profit. Thankfully, there's an organization that was created by volunteers here. It's called Razum for Ukraine, which means Together for Ukraine. It was created in 2014, New York-based, when the Crimea invasion occurred. And they were uh, soliciting or trying to raise money for humanity. Early on, it was for uh, stuff for um, refugees. Mm -hmm. you know, the things of diapers and formula and canned goods to help feed thousands of people who are escaping. Um, so I partnered with them and uh, decided that if you want to give money, this is a perfect organization. Um, and maybe two weeks into the war, we have a traditional dish called borscht here, uh, which has been on the menu since my day grandfather, one, day yeah. one. It's a traditional uh, beets and potatoes and beans and pork. It's a meal in itself that I thought, what better way to give back uh, to the community and to Ukrainians especially, uh, that I would earmark all the sales of borscht. Where you had it here, you took it out to eat in your living room, or if we shipped it to you in California, mm -hmm. that I would earmark all the sales of the borscht for humanitarian relief efforts. Big benefactors of that were One Central Kitchen, who I've actually had the privilege of hosting them here for a bowl of borscht. Wow. Um, uh, Razum for Ukraine, amongst other, it wasn't one major benefactor, I decided uh -huh. to Spread give it to it out, many. Yeah. Um, and about a month after that, uh, uh, Ukrainian uh, borscht was designated the UNESCO Heritage Dish of Ukraine. There was some issues about a controversy about whether it originated in Russia or, oh, or yeah, what was Ukraine. I hadn't so, even considered that. Yeah. So it, it it was originated in what is now Ukraine. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, um, and what better way to tie it all in? Um, I've had many politicians come here um, to support. Say thank you for what you're doing, um, and for the first year, more than 300,000 earmarked, and I'm still continuing. Um, I, I've moved on from the borscht. I have a, a special pierogi bowl now that I've earmarked the funds to go to an organization called Save Ukraine. There were early on, there were, the Russians kidnapped or took many children to Russia, um, and there's some organizations that I vetted and are now partnering with, and I want to help save the children because what if, if nothing else in, since in, yeah it's the one thing we can all agree on no yes. matter what your perspective is, yeah. is, is so I mean I went on a tangent there but uh, no 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 so it's, the, the it's war, incredibly important so it's been a whirlwind I mean a lot of support early on from our government from our politicians um, after a year things have you know, yeah. going, we're Obviously. going into year two we're talking a more difficult time in terms of well, governmental I mean, support right now here in the US yes I mean, I think yesterday there was a meeting where Biden, I, I, we're looking, he's looking to, for billions of, but he was able to give him 200 million to yeah. at least cover the bri bridge it to whenever they can vote on it. And I guess I was watching a, a recent debate, uh, 
on the Republican side here, uh, their, their take on this is that um, Europe should be con contributing more to this fight. Mm. I mean, we've been doing a lot, and I, yeah. they have too. Yeah. But, I mean, whether you're familiar with the Budapest Memorandum... Yeah. Okay. I am. I'm not sure listeners will be. But no, no, yeah. I, you know, the U.S. and Russia uh, signed a, a, an agreement that they would respect Ukraine's borders in 1990, yeah. 1991. And they had the third largest stockpile of nuclear weapons. They gave them up. Yeah. I don't... I, if they had them, would they? Would there? Would we be in this situation? Well, yeah. So, that being said, I, I think you... The U.S. is obligated to support it, and, I, and again, I'm going to go off on a tangent. Many people say this is not a war about democracy in Ukraine. This is about democracy in the world, yeah. because it's there. There are pundits that say he's not going to stop it with Ukraine. Yeah, you know, but well, that's, to say. that's a perspective, isn't it? You know, it's a, it might be expensive now, but a lot more expensive if it's a if it's a war that, yes. that gets yes. on an even larger scale. And I know I'm not going to disparage it. The Brits, I mean, the UK has been doing a great part yeah. in helping and accepting many migrants or refugees. Yeah, have you, have you had a lot of Ukrainian people who have come to New York since the conflicts and coming here to get a piece of home and a place of home? So one of the first things that uh, I did also, the, the government here created a program called United for Ukraine. Uh -huh. So I had many employees who don't have necessarily the means, you have to show a certain financial support. I made 10 applications for refugees, which eight were accepted, wow. and seven of them were here, man. Fantastic. Believe it or not. That is fantastic. Um, but others have come looking for work or coming here for, you know, they feel very proud to be in a place that's very, I don't want to say, I guess we're somewhat patriotic. Yeah, yeah, no, um, I think that's fair. Uh, but I, I am concerned about how this, how this, draws out and how it will play out. But I, I mean, we've been here for 70 years as proud Ukrainian-Americans. I'm not going anywhere. I want to also, we'll move it back to the food now, because uh, that is why we're here, after all, at the end of it all. Um, and ask you sort of, for you, what if you could sum up Ukrainian food in a sentence, how would you sum it up? Well, funny that you say it, because Vesoka uh, means rainbow in Ukrainian. I, I never knew, I never had the opportunity to ask my grandfather what he meant. Why he named it that? Yeah. We have a slogan up on my office wall uh, overlooking the dining room that says, Vesoka is the love. I think it's a, uh, what I want people to take it's comfort food uh -huh. that many people can relate on many levels from many different ethnicities American, Eastern European, European, that um, it's something of uh, going to you know, your grandma's house and she w wouldn't let you leave until you. Were completely stuffed and yeah. rolled off. Rolled and a little off. bit more. Yeah, yeah, and a little bit more, and then you had to take a nap. Um, I, I'm not saying that I, what I foresee you to have happen here, but <laughs> just something that in this trying times of what we're living in, that somebody can feel some comfort in a bowl of borscht or a plate of herbies. That um, that's what I like for people to take away. And what are your, if you had to pick three sort of defining dishes of what you serve here, uh, what would that definitely be? Definitely borscht. 100%. Uh, pierogies. Uh -huh. um, Explain pierogies for people. Pierogies is an Eastern European dump, dumpling. Actually, we know it's more kind of a layman's term. It's actually more of a Polish background. Mm -hmm. But actually, in Ukrainian, they're called vareniki. They're a handmade dumpling that we fill with a variety of different fillings. The standards are potato, sauerkraut, mushroom, beef. 
we've uh, expanded on that. There's a sweet cheese, arugula and goat cheese. We've even filled them with bacon, egg, and cheese. Wow. For breakfast that's a, crowd. That's a real, yeah, sort yeah. of breakfast um, pierogi. Love um, it. So we have, a, they, again, one of the original menu items, uh, maybe a, a hundred or two hundred initially, but now I'm in the thousands. I've contemplated uh, automating that, but my father, prior to his retirement, said never change <laughs> what's made, what's done us right. And there's something to be said about homemade, uh, handmade food. Um, so you had eight people doing it. Yes, a team of just eight. that. Yes, incredible. Um, what else? I mean, then the, the, the next third would be the, the latkes or uh -huh. the stuffed cabbage or any of the stews. I mean, there are so many. So yeah. many things. There's too many things. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but definitely abortion pierogi are top two. And then our final question is always a dream dinner party. So you're inviting four people, dead or alive, to Veselka, and you have to serve them three dishes. So we might have already helped hit on the dishes a little okay. bit. Who would the people would be? Who would the people be for you? Well, uh, you know, my grandfather never. Uh -huh. I, I would, you know, he was a very patriotic uh, Ukrainian. In the time when he was there, he had uh, served time in prison for his um, being outspoken about being a Ukrainian national. Mm -hmm. I, I think he'd be saddened by what's happening now. And people have asked I, I, different speeches that I've given. I, if he were alive, he'd pick up a gun and go fight because the, the manpower is needed. I would love to see him to show him what we've done here in, in his memory, that, that we've carried this on, I don't know. So he would definitely be one. Uh, another would be his son, which is my uncle, which is my godfather, kind of, uh -huh. uh, kind of helped me become who I am, and uh, I hate to keep it in the family. No. Um, another, Zelensky, mm -hmm. show him, tell him that, Every little bit. And he was only here last week. Yeah, yeah. He, well, he was in Washington yesterday. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course, yeah. Um, and who else? Maybe, maybe, you know, both of my grandparents who started this mm -hmm. business. My grandmother Amazing. had to put up with my grandfather working late hours. And uh -huh. she'd always uh, said to me as a young man, uh, you know, edu stressed education. She didn't see me coming into the business, but I'd like to show her that, you know, we can show both of them, uh, as well as my uncle, that we we're doing a good, I hope we're doing a good job. It certainly feels like it in here. It's, it's impossible to get a table, it seems like. So, <laughs> amazing. Thanks so much, Jason. Thank you. Thanks so much again to Jason for having me. And it was just a really fascinating chat to have. Of course, the food is amazing. But what Veselka and Jason are doing with the war in Ukraine and their support is so inspiring too. I can't encourage you enough to get along. Thanks again to you guys for listening as well. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast, as always. It would be great if you gave us a like, subscribe, rating, all the normal things. And you can head over to the Instagram at ollieatsitall, that's O-L-I eatsitall, to see more. There's plenty more exciting stuff coming here from New York and beyond. So stay tuned for more Meet the Chefs.